Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. Here we go, another edition of the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Yes, I am Price Atkinson, and yes, he is the godfather, Joe Calabrese. Welcome into another edition here as we get you set on all things USA Curling. Make sure if you do not subscribe, you do that right now. Do not go a second further. Hit pause. Go to your iTunes, Apple Podcast app on your smartphone. Search the extra, extra end. You will find us there. If you're an Android user, go to Stitcher or Google Play. Search us right there uh, on your app, on your phone. Hit subscribe. You will get this podcast delivered right to your smartphone, your desktop computer, wherever you are. Right there every single week as we come to you weekly during the curly se- curling season. And boy, we got a lot to get into this week, Joe. As uh, had a had a great weekend, man. It was a great week in Thunder Bay. As I was up at the uh, the Tour Challenge, the Tier One, Tier Two Grand Slam. Uh, great showing by the U.S. teams. Uh, we got a lot to look ahead to. As programming note, as we look ahead, next weekend is Thanksgiving. But we will not have an episode of the podcast, so we're going to cram a lot of that stuff in this week, and then we, we will be back the week after Thanksgiving as we will all take the week off, you and I, to say thanks and uh, give thanks for everything that we've got uh, on our kitchen table and, and the love around us. But more than anything, how's it going up there in Rochester? Man, it finally feels like curling weather here, Price. It's snowing and it's cold, and I'm in my I'm in my sunroom studio, so to speak, and it's there's nothing sunny about it right now. <laughs> I'm I'm shivering in here. Well, it's um it's not shivering down here in South Carolina. It is chilly, and I will say chilly. Let me just preface this by saying it it the high of 42 today and rain like it's been pretty much since I got back from Thunder Bay on Monday. It's been like this, and it has been downright chilly. Um, you know, I would venture to say cold. You would probably say that that might be a warm breeze this time of year, but uh, yeah, it, I'm it, thinking that's like a heat wave there. Y- yeah, it, it hasn't felt good. But coming from Thunder Bay, where when I got up at 3:45 on Monday morning this week to make my flight out uh, to Toronto, it was a nice, cool 12 degrees, and it was rock solid, uh, cold as you can get outside. And I know it's going to get worse, but. For a southern boy like me, it was cold enough uh, trudging through the airport with Robbie Doherty uh, as we were getting out of there heading to Toronto. But it was not cold inside of the tournament center in Thunder Bay, Joe. I'm not sure how much you kept up with, but, you know, we had a record number of team. Oh, but you know what? Before that, hold on. Let me just set the stage because I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get to the slam of what happened. 
But real quickly, what you're going to hear on this episode, I totally blew past my opening because I'm just too excited to get into everything. But guests this week on this edition, Madison Bear, Corey Christensen, I sat down with them up at Thunder Bay, going to bring you that conversation. And also Brad Whitlock and Nick Katinsky from the Las Vegas Curling Club. The Curling Oasis is it will return to uh, the bright lights in big city of Vegas for the Continental Cup in January. So stay tuned. We got a lot to bring you here, especially Joe's The Segment You Can't Refuse with Brad Whitlock and Nick Katinsky, as well as Madison Beer and Corey Christensen. But Joe, record number of teams, eight teams, eight U.S. teams at the Tier 1, Tier 2 Tour Challenge Grand Slam. And I got to tell you, it was starting to turn heads. Uh, it was turning heads in Thunder Bay. Uh, last week for the slam because as Brett Lang walked by the the Olympian uh, uh, now curling with John Epping's rink, formerly of Kevin Cooey's, he walked by as we were in the players' box and I was standing with some of the U.S. guys and he kind of said, you know what, there used to be one of you guys that used to show up, meaning Schuster. Now I've got a bunch of you guys that are all showing up from the U.S. and I can't even, I can't beat you. And that was after uh, Rich Ruin and those guys knocked off Epping in the round-robin play. But it, it, the presence was known for USA Curling of how strong it was in the house at the tournament center up in Thunder Bay, Joe. Yeah, I mean, eight teams, you mentioned it. It looks like uh, we had a terrific showing by a number of the U.S. teams in the in both the Tier 1 and in the Tier 2. Um, Rich Ruin, John Schuster, both 3-1 uh, and one, uh, qualifying. Wind up both losing in the quarterfinals, but... What a terrific showing there by the men in the Tier 1. Uh, Brad Jacobs wound up winning that, uh, his fourth Grand Slam title. Uh, beat, uh, Brandon Botcher, 6-5 uh, to five, uh, in the final. But then uh, on the U.S. side on the women, Nina Roth, 3-1, and one, uh, got into the playoffs, lost in the semifinals to Rachel Holman, 6-5. Yep. Um, you know, uh, and I believe uh, that was Holman had hammer in the last end, took a single. Yep. Uh, or I'm sorry, in the extra, was it extra end or it was extras? Yep. Extra end. Yeah. And so, uh, great showing there by Nina and her team. Uh, Sinclair and Christensen struggled a bit. Sinclair's only win came against Christensen. Uh, and, uh, Holman was the eventual, eventual champion over on the tier one beating, uh, Fle- uh, Flurry, uh, eight to four in the final. Yeah, it, Corey needed to beat uh, Jamie on that last round robin game. If Corey had beaten Jamie there, uh, because she was sitting at one and two, and let me tell you something, I want I want to go back to some of this uh, there in in Thunder Bay. But if Corey had beaten Jamie. Uh, then Corey would have been at least into a tiebreaker. That obviously did not happen. But let me take you back to a night earlier because Corey got down uh, to uh, Chelsea Carey, and Chelsea's had a really good season so far. I can't remember where their, where their win was. I want to say it may have been the Canad Inns or it may have been in uh, Regina. I can't remember where they won, but they, they've had a really good uh, season so far as Chelsea Carey. And Corey and them got behind, and they clawed their way back. And it came down to an extra end. And Chelsea had hammer. And this was the last game on the ice. And let me do my let me go back in my head. I want to say it was Thursday night. It was the final final session Thursday night. All the other games on all the other sheets had finished. They're still playing, and you got to remember this is Corey's first Grand Slam that she's ever played in Tier One or Tier Two. Okay, she is on the ice on one of the it was one of the far sheets. The building is packed. You could hear a pin drop in there. She gets in the hack for her first of two throws. And I took a picture and just I was saying to myself, whether they win or lose, her mom was there. Her boyfriend was there. Her boyfriend's parents were there. there. I mean, a lot of pressure. 
And she got up there and, and had two really good throws. And I, you know, I got to tell you, they won it and they stole the extra end to beat Chelsea Carey. Chelsea storms off the ice. I mean, you know, she's got a, she's got a temper, but for the way Corey and them pulled that out, that was big and not just big, give them a fighting shot at the playoffs. It was just a huge experience factor for Madison Bear, who was curling under this stage for the very first time as, you know, so young. And Jenna Martin, Vicky Persinger, the new vice skip for uh, for Corey, and then Corey herself. I mean, it's just it was a really great, it was a really awesome moment uh, of all the moments all week. And you know, you mentioned Nina Roth. I thought Nina's win over Jennifer Jones in the um, uh, in the quarterfinals was just awesome because once again, here comes Nina just scrapping and clawing her way back late against Jennifer Jones and. Jennifer, if she had thrown away her last rock and never in in, in in her first stone and never threw it, Corey doesn't have the shot that she did to win it. You mean I'm sorry, you mean Nina, right? I meant Nina. I meant Nina. Yeah. N- then Nina throws. I mean a pistol that was perfect. Put Jennifer in trouble on her last rock. Jennifer misses. Nina and them get out of the win and live to fight another day in their first ever semifinal appearance in a in a slam against Holman in a game against Holman that Miskew makes a shot early. I think it was maybe the fourth in. I can't remember exactly where. It's probably one of the shots of the year that I've seen so far. And Miskew really bailing out Holman and, and, and company. But Nina and them fought till the absolute end against Holman. I mean, just a really good week on on the women's side. You know, and Anne Marie Duberstein uh, they were over there on the tier two. They had a little bit of a rough week, but certainly Nina getting to the semis. Dude, it was a good one. Yeah, you know, you said a couple things there that, that kind of piqued my interest. One is sort of the scrappiness of these teams, um, being able to make comebacks, and and we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe with Duberstein in a minute. But, um, you know, the other thing that Christensen, you know, on a, on a sheet by themselves, uh, all Canadian crowd, I'm assuming, Yep. Um, playing a Canadian team, I mean, can you know, showing some metal there. I mean, that's that's big time. Like, that's that's something really to hang her hat on. And I, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's terrific. That's a good showing. Yeah. Um, and talking about Duberstein, I mean, like I, I took a look at the line scores and, and really they just got off to rough starts in yeah. each game. And I think, you know, once they settled down, it seemed like they were okay. But like in that first game, they were down seven, nothing after two, like that's, that's a very uh, difficult spot to be put in. And uh, I hope that, you know, as they continue to grow, they'll start showing the same same metal as some of these other teams that, that are out there that are being able to be scrappy and, and make comebacks. I, I, I suspect that they will. Um, just It just seems like that's the way the program's going right now. Yeah, yeah. On the men's side, uh, Rich Ruin and those guys, they they had had a pretty, uh, I'll call it up and down, um, but boy, the win against John Epping uh, to really put me, their lone loss was to Gushu, and Richie will tell you that's a game they should have won. I, I can buy it, but there were several more things that needed to happen. Gushu knocked out in the quarterfinals again, uh, but that was Richie and uh, company, uh, Greg Persinger and those guys, only lost in round robin. Let me tell you, I had a great time uh, seeing Tilker and hanging out with those guys all week, but them getting uh, qualifying for the playoffs uh, was big. They ran into just a, a, a Brendan Botcher team that was – Botcher was not going to lose. I mean, he played so well in that game in the quarterfinals that they won. Um, 
I honestly, and personally, I was pulling for Botcher to win the whole thing, just A, because I don't like Brad Jacobs whatsoever or any of his team. Um, and plus, it was in front of, they were curling in front of their Northern Ontario home crowd. I really wanted to see Botcher because I, I really like um, some of those guys on that team. And um, But still, good showing for Richie and them. They weren't going to, there's just no way they were going to be Botcher that night. And on the uh, over on John Schuster's side of things, man, had a great week. Um, they were 3-0. Lost their last round robin. They beat Nicholas Sedin uh, in that first ever. And it was kind of, people were asking questions. You know, it was on the sheet, on sheet uh, E, r- I mean, the far sheet right next to the crowd. Everybody, including myself, was wondering why in the world did, did Sportsnet not put that one on the feature sheet on sheet C? Because that was the first time a Dean and Schuster had met, had seen each other on the ice playing, you know, against each other since the Olympics. Uh, but that did not make the TV sheet. I don't remember what we had over there, but Schuster makes a uh, draw on the final stone. Nicholas missed one shot, one shot in the game, and it, and it cost him as John made the draw uh, for the win, uh, you know, in the eighth end. You know, Price, it, you know, if it was the NFL, there's no doubt that that would have been the primetime yep. matchup. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that. I just think that that was just a mistake. It's it particularly since uh, for these grand slams, you know, they're trying to, to push that international streaming pay-per-view kind of service. Yep. And that would have been like the kind of matchup people I think would have wanted to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there wasn't a Canadian team in that, but, and that's what Sportsnet's trying to do because it's broadcast all across, you know, the entire country, but still that would have been worth uh, curling fans would have liked to have seen that one, I think. And it was a great game. I mean, I was board side for it. I, I believe, um, God, we had, who was it? Um, I believe it was Corey or Jamie curling on the sheet right next to him, which was pretty cool to have both a couple of American teams side by side. But still, that sh- that game, you know, put on the side. And I don't know if you noticed, you know, in full disclosures, I do social media for both Schuster and Nadine. Um, it was really interesting because I was out, out over there talking with Hamilton and, and Oscar Erickson and stuff before the game. And uh, uh, Hammy, man, Hamilton is like, dude, come over here. So I took a shot. He and Oscar exchanged uh, broom pads. And so Oscar curled with the USA uh, ice pad, um, you know, broom head. <laughs> and then Oscar, cur- or, uh, and then Matt Hamilton curled with the Viking uh, hardline ice pad. And it was pretty neat. And I took a picture of them with, uh, with their brooms crossed because it, it, just, it just goes to epitomize just how great our sport is when you, you know, two guys, that the, you know, teams that fought for the gold medal and then they go over there and they're playing their first game. And there was some palpable tension. I will say this with that fun they had before the game, uh, there were, there was a little bit of palpable tension, not amongst the players, so to speak, but just because you could just kind of feel, hey, this is that first time that these teams played. And I think a little bit more so on a Dean's end, number one, because it was the first time they were playing since the gold medal. And two, because the Dean and those guys, they really had their backs against the wall. And that pretty much knocked them out of all playoff contention. Hey, so a quick question about this. You said that uh, Hammy had the Viking pad how does Aaron Rodgers feel about that (laughs) that's a good question that I did not ask him about and one more highlight of the slam just real quick I'll say Luke Schuster getting to go out with Stetsky doing the I saw this this was awesome to do the floss (laughs) and the intro and that was the I want to say that was the intro right before Adin and uh and Schuster played I think I could be wrong I, I so many games run together but Luke getting to go out to the center ice and do the floss for about a minute it was pretty cool. He brought the house down. Everybody was yeah. on their feet. It, it it was awesome. So, yeah, it's oh, stinking cute. <laughs> yeah, and then not to be outdone, real quick on on the tier two side of things, I I do not want to leave these guys out. But let me tell you something: Mark Fenner and Corey Dropkin, Tom Howell, um, and Alex Fenson. Man, I'm still kind of heart. Not, I'm going to say heartbroken, but. 
those guys, they were in the quarterfinals, okay? On they they went three and one in round robin. They were in the quarters. They had, I believe it was a five two lead uh that they coughed up in, in the quarters and they gave up two it was to Tanner Horgan, which is a Northern Ontario team. No, excuse me, hold on. Let me take that Scott back. Scott McDonald. It was Scott, it was Scott McDonald. McDonald. They gave yeah. it up to McDonald. They were up five two and lost that thing. And let me tell you, it was a gut punch. Corey was Corey was hurting afterwards because I think he was you know hurting on himself for a couple calls and maybe that seventh in. But those guys very well have should have been. I will say should have. They should have been in that semifinal on the tier, um, tier two on the tier yeah. two side. Yeah, sorry, a lot of this uh, stuff runs. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was it, it was all, excuse me that was it that was a semifinal game. What am I saying? That was a semifinal game. It was the they should have been in the final against Kirk Myers, who Kirk Myers ended up winning the thing. Myers is just on a streak right now. I believe that was their third win on tour all year. But in the in the semifinals, uh, you know, Luke, giving up five in the final three ends to Scott McDonald that that was tough. But still, another great event to the playoffs in the semis for Fenner and Company. Yeah, you're sort of flashing back to my Wednesday night league game here, Bryce. <laughs> I did the same thing. So, at any rate, no, it's it's a tough thing. I mean, it it happens, and you just got to shake it off, take a look at what you did wrong, and and you know make sure it doesn't happen again. Yep. Uh, also, over the weekend, uh, Joey had a uh, junior national qualifier. I'm trying to get that up right now because we don't have. Yep. Any- you got that for me? I do, I do. Abby Good. Kitchens and Andrew McDonald, they uh, were in the Bismarck Qualifier, and they are now in uh, Nationals. They're joining uh, five other teams on each side so far. There's a couple other – I'm sorry, there's one more qualifier in Portage next month. Um, so over on the men's side, you got uh, uh, five teams, Stopera, Sinet, Steinhaus, Welding, and Tuma. And on the women's side, you got Duberstein, Flannery uh, – I'm going to butcher this name – Normandau. Trexler and Cousins. So those are the teams so far that have qualified for junior nationals, and there's one more in Portage next month. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, we'll look ahead to what's coming up uh, here shortly this weekend, uh, next week. Uh, you know, mixed doubles action. Uh, we got a lot of things to plug in the in the final segment. But when we come back, Joe, we'll step away. I bring you what I had sat down with Corey Christensen and Madison Bear. Uh, up in Thunder Bay, bring you that conversation. Excited to to talk with them uh, as they had a uh, as really I'll say a good weekend. They went one and three, did not qualify, but still um, just great experience for them, especially on the big stage. So, Madison Bear, Corey Christensen. When we come back, right after that, the segment you can't refuse with the Godfather himself. He talks with Las Vegas Curling Club's Brad Whitlock and Nick Katinsky, and then we're back to wrap it up here on the Extract Room Podcast with Twelfth In Sports Network. All right, back here on the Extraction Podcast, and got a couple special ladies and special curlers with me right now. Corey Christensen, the skip of Team Christensen, and Madison Bear, the newest, well, I don't want to say the newest, but the most youthful addition, I should phrase, to Team Christensen. Right, Corey? Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
We're really excited to have Maddie back on the team. I played with her back in juniors and uh, won the silver medal with her um, in Copenhagen. So that was a pretty special memory for the two of us. So I'm really excited to be playing with her again. Yeah, so I got to uh, got to meet Madison a little bit and get to know her a few weeks ago when we were in Thunder Bay. So uh, it was really a treat to, to, to catch up with you then and to do this now as we're, we're talking on the Extra Action Podcast. And, you know, before we get out of the gate, Corey, you know, for you, you know, turning the page from last year, you kind of had an interesting season last year. And I know it seems probably like an eternity at this point. But you got to leave your team. You go to the Olympics. You got to have that experience going to the Olympic Games, a whirlwind. Then you join up at Nationals in the middle of Nationals and have a shot to go to the Worlds. You know, what was that like for you last year going through all that? Yeah, last season really was just a whirlwind. I mean, I feel so honored to be um, to have had the opportunity to go with Nina to the Olympics. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. And um, for my teammates to welcome me back at Nationals and uh, have a really good run at Nationals, I mean, it was just it was an amazing season. And I, I put a lot of um, school and work on hold in order to do that. So it was um, kind of nice that it all sort of paid off. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people obviously don't aren't in that situation, knowing what it's like to kind of, in a way, put your life on hold for a year, and sometimes not just a year. It's a quadrennial when you're trying to pursue an Olympics. But you know, how what were the, what were some of the most difficult parts of last year? I, I know there you know things that people don't see or don't read about or hear about, but you know, what were some of maybe the biggest challenges you had to go through as as an athlete, but also as you know as a person. Yeah, I think one of the toughest things for me is um, having friends that I have gone to college with and see them, you know, graduating last year and getting um, real people jobs and all that. And, um, you know, it's just reminding myself that the whole process is worth it. And um, I think that definitely um, proved itself last year. Um, But it is sort of difficult at times to to put your life on hold for all of us. And it's scary, but... um, (laughs) Um, but you just hope that it's worth it. And, you know, even if it's not the whole experience, I just feel so grateful um, to be able to do this. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So, Absolutely. And Madison, so you come out right out of juniors, and here you are for the 2018-2019 season, and you join up with, with Corey, somebody you, you, you're certainly familiar with, and, you know, Jen and Vicky. Vicky obviously is the other new addition. But, you know, making that, that transition from juniors to, you know, I don't want to call it the big leagues, but here, you know, uh, out of juniors, what what is the biggest step that you've noticed so far? I mean, you've curled with a lot of the athletes against them and, and gone to camps and got to know them off the ice. But, you know, what has that step been like for you? Definitely. Um, I think the transition in general for any junior curler to step up to men's or women's is just it's so different. It's huge and amazing i mean it's also just so exciting you're playing against teams you never thought you'd play against really that you looked up to when you're growing up playing against them and now it's like we're here and it's time to start winning we're putting things together we're putting pieces together i have a whole team that knows what they're doing that have been in playing against these teams for the last couple of years they get it and they've taken me under their wing and i'm just really grateful for their experience and their helping hand what, what was it like when you found out that you would get the chance to play with Corey and in this team this year? You know, you look forward to, uh, you know, in a way, turning your own new page, so to speak, and, you know, getting out of juniors. But I mean, what was the most exciting part of this for you? The most exciting part, I think, was just knowing I have a group of girls that have so much talent here and they're willing to help me get there, too. And we have such a good chance to go to Worlds again this year and keep doing what we're doing. Um, I was so grateful playing with Corey years ago. She 
taught me a lot from my previous years in juniors that helped me at Worlds there as well. And I just want to be a good addition to this team and bring some youth as well, as I said. <laughs> I'm sure she probably brings some of that uh, even more youthful energy and excitement to, you know, communication to the ice and the huddles after ends. But, you know, for you guys both getting to play at, at your first Grand Slam, you know, at the uh, Tour Challenge, a big event, Tier 1, Tier 2, but you guys aren't – you don't start on the Tier 2 side. You start over there under the bright lights on the Tier 1 side. And, you know, you get a win, uh, a, a fantastic, a great win over Chelsea Carey and extra ends. But that experience, you guys go one and three, forget the record, but the experience of getting out there and playing in a Grand Slam under those lights with the sold-out kind of crowd, that's not something that we have back home in the U.S. Yeah, it was an incredible experience um, just to play against such talented teams, like you said, under the bright lights in front of all the fans. It's just a, it's an incredible environment. Like you said, we don't get the chance to play in front of that very often at home, so um, we're very lucky to be, be a part of that, yeah. About for you, Madison. I know what. Uh, what when, when did you finally kind of get the nerves out? Because I'm sure there. Yeah, I know there had to have been nerves, right? Come on, you can't tell me you got in the hack and threw for the first time and felt nothing, right? I'm gonna be completely honest. I flashed my first takeout, and that was probably where I got it out. <laughs> um, it was. We don't get the chance to be mic'd and to be on TV that much. I mean, this is. This is Top Gun stuff. It's really cool, and I'm just grateful is the biggest word I could say. So where does this, Corey, is the skip of this team and, you know, changes, you know, with the other teams and the high-performance program, um, you know, really where USA Curling is right now. You know, go to Thunder Bay. We've got a record eight teams there. Um, obviously coming off of, of some uncharted territory last year as a whole. I know it's a new year, but, you know, Jamie wins the players. Certainly know all about the gold medal and John and, and everything. And Nina having really a good run, great run at the Olympics. Um, you know, the... I, don't get me started on the technical finish. I still think it's baloney. It's a tie for what fifth. But, you know, the excitement right now, not just at the club level, grassroots, but, you know, when you go to events like a slam and there's a buzz about USA curling, people are talking about what's going on in the States and not the growth of the game, but we're talking about at the highest level. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for our sport in the U.S. Um, I mean, just having eight U.S. teams in a Grand Slam event, Tier 1 and Tier 2, that's that's huge. And, I mean, I don't even know how many teams, you know, are qualifying. It's it's really exciting for the U.S. Um, and I just think it's great for the sport. You know, there's there's people that I used to talk to that had no idea what curling is, and now literally everybody that I talk to is like, oh, my God, I watch curling in the Olympics. I love it. It's just it's huge for our sport, and it's very exciting to be a part of. As a native of Wisconsin, what do, what do people say to you? Because, you know, it's – I don't want to say you come right out of an Olympics, but it's it's on the map at least for a while. But that ma- it stays on that map a little bit longer, seeming like every every Olympic cycle. Are people coming up to you, Madison, now that, that maybe didn't know? You know, your close friends know you curl, but like people maybe in school that your friends or fam- friends of your family members, they say, oh, I watch that on television. I watch those guys win the gold medal, for crying out loud. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a lot of friends and people just coming up to me saying, I'd love to try it. And I think that's the coolest thing is the clubs are doing so many learn to curls everywhere. Um, And it's just the participation rate is increasing highly. So I think that's just one of the biggest things is it's just it's growing. (laughs) All right. Forget the curling stuff now. What do you guys like to do away from the ice? What, what is it you like to do in spare time? Because I know you have spare time. I know it's not all ice. Is it playing? Is it playing an Xbox? Is it? Pokemon Go? Is it sewing? Is it 
trading baseball cards for. I mean, what is it? What do you guys like to do? Because you got to blow off steam. You got to have fun. And Madison, you're laughing. I know there's something that you're going to tell me. I know there's something you're hiding in there, and you need to let it out. But I'm gonna let Corey go first. <laughs> um, curling pretty much consumes my whole life in the winter. Um, so I know, I know, it's boring. But um, a season ticket holder to the Twins or something? I'm not. I'm not. I do enjoy a good Twins game in the summer. But um, no, I really, I really enjoy my summers. My family has a cabin just north of Duluth, so we get up there a lot. Um, like to spend time with my family, hang out at the lake, um, do a little camping. Uh, yeah. Come on, Madison, let it out. I wish I had more to say, but I do love to golf. Um, at least try to. There we go. <laughs> try to golf. Let me word that better. <laughs> um, otherwise, same as Corey. I love being outdoors. I love spending time outside, doing whatever I can, being active, just enjoying sports. Milwaukee for sure, Brewers and Bucks. Um, but otherwise, just doing as much as I can in the summer. <laughs> Who's the best golfer on the team? Do you guys ever play? Can you get them out to play with you? That's a good question. We definitely could get out to play. Um, yeah, I probably am the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, that's right. Don't be bashful. Who is the best and worst driver on the team? Who is the one that takes the wheel when you guys go on road trips? Oh. <laughs> Let it out. Um, I can censor it. I, I'll admit, I'm, I'm probably not the best. <laughs> well, you're the youngest, too. In that. I don't drive much. <laughs> I, I can't rent vehicles even yet, so... Um, yeah, I think uh, so far Jenna's been a pretty good driver. I've been happy with Jenna's skills. Who, who picks the music? That's the bigger question is who's the one that gets to pick the tunes? Who? Okay, how about this? Who picks the best tunes? That's a tough question. I think there's a um, really good balance. Well, I picked our song for the video, The Slam, this weekend. You did. But yeah. Jenna's Jenna's a pretty good DJ. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think it would be Vicky because I think Vicky's into country and kill the country, right? <laughs> I like country, too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Madison, Corey, thanks so much for a few minutes today. It's, it's, it's great getting to catch up with you guys and, you know, exciting season ahead for you guys. And, you know, we got a lot of curling. we got a lot of slams. we got nationals. we got a lot of fun ahead. So just appreciate the time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Welcome again to the segment you can't refuse. It's the Godfather, Joe Calabrese. And this episode, we have two special guests for you. From the desert, the Las Vegas Curling Club. We have club president Nick Katinsky and uh, member Brad Whitlock. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Um, So let's start uh, with Nick. Tell me a little bit about your curling background. Uh, Did you learn uh, the game in Las Vegas or did you come from somewhere else where you learned it? I was born and raised in Sweden and uh, was introduced to curling uh, through high school. We had some learned curls and activities, a lot of activities and sports. So curling became a little favorite there. I never joined a club or anything like it, but then moved to Los Angeles in 1992. Started the uh, Hollywood Curling Club in 2007, I believe it was, and um, ran it for four years or so. And then um, in 2011... I started the uh, bond spill in Las Vegas, and um, shortly thereafter, uh, a club kind of formed in Vegas as well. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, so, Brad, how did you come about uh, the Las Vegas Curling Club? Well, I was uh, living in Los Angeles and uh, heard about Hollywood Curling. So I was actually taught by Nick, I think, uh, about six or seven years ago, and uh, then ended up moving to Vegas. 
and looked for a club here, and sure enough, Nick popped up again. Uh, so I joined the club. Well, he's everywhere. <laughs> Nick, great yeah, job. So, so, so you, so you started the spieling, uh, the spiel in Las Vegas after some work at the Hollywood Curling Club. Tell me a little bit about how that came about. What made you decide that that the desert was a good place to to start curling? Well, I'd become the uh, chair for um, membership and new new club development for U.S. Curling, and uh, it was an Olympic year, and I was answering all the requests for U.S. Curling, and then, of course, anything that was close to where I lived on the West Coast, I, I would put a little extra effort and go out and if, if I could, and, and there was a group in Vegas, they had never curled, and they were trying to start a club, and I went out and brought some people with me from Hollywood, and we did a learn to curl, and uh, you know, about 70, 80 people showed up and looked very promising, and then uh, they kind of like faded out and disappeared. But during that time, um, the arena was had a request for a bond spill that wanted to come there uh, in 2012, and uh, they were kind of putting pressure on me and said, hey, you got to start an annual bond spill here, so uh, who else than you? So I was like, okay. And uh, that's how it kind of all got together. So 2011 was our first bond spiel. We had about 34 teams, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it was a Halloween dress-up spiel. And um, it's been uh, going ever since. Yeah, and we'll get talking a little bit about that Sin City bond spiel uh, coming up January 11th to 13th in just a minute. But I wanted to talk to Brad a little bit about uh, his writings in the U.S. curling news. He talks a little bit about all things arena curling. What trends are you sort of seeing out there for arena clubs? Are there more f- clubs forming? Uh, are they converting to to regular facility curling clubs? Wh- what are What's kind of going on there? Well, w- one of the trends certainly is that there's just a lot more clubs forming, of course. And some of that, I'm sure, has to do with, with the Olympic uh, year that we're in, as well as the success, of course, that the men's team had. I think the main thing is that there's just a lot more people curling, and the arena is allow that to happen pretty quickly, especially in the United States. You know, it's a little different from Canada where they have these dedicated clubs all over, even in small towns. Uh, here we've got a limited number of those, and they're mostly, of course, in the in the northern areas of the country. So I think the arenas give the at least a chance to try curling. It may not be considered quite the same uh, game, <laughs> but arena curlers love it, and will do it at any time of the day or night. A lot of times it ends up being late at night. And that's one of the challenges that the clubs have is trying to find good ice time. Yeah, you know, I actually listened to a, another podcast uh, with uh, Stephanie Seneker, uh, who uh, started in arena curling and found herself trying to find practice ice in Canada because there was just no other place to do it. So I guess, you know, that might be one of the drawbacks, I guess, to arena curling is just finding the time within the arena schedule to, to kind of fit curling in. You know, it, it sounds like that might be one of the things that's been going on with with Las Vegas. How about how about that, Nick? Yeah, I mean it's true. It's not just for us. It's I think almost every uh, arena club is um, under the pinch. We're, we're the last ones on the schedule. You know, there'll be hockey, uh, figure skating, there'll be broomball even before us. You know, so uh, most of the time we're kind of the last thing. And then that's also because we're not part of the arena, so they count us as a you know as a client from the outside. So they'll definitely not cater as as, as important as uh, any of their activities, of course. Right. So as a tenant, you may be you're sort of the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, in some cases. Yeah. But, you know, it sounds like, you know, as many clubs that are out there, they're sort of starting at a, at a 
place where you're looking for dedicated ice as well. But you got to have the membership to kind of support that. You know, you're definitely working on that. It's from the sounds of it. You know, after uh, some lean times with the gold happening, uh, sort of bringing the bringing the membership back. Yeah, I mean, um, with the Olympic year, you know, we did get a lot of new people come in and sign up, and so we would get a little bit more. Uh, uh, ice time because we just have a new arena that opened up for the Golden Knights. So uh, the unfortunate thing, I mean, for us was that Golden Knights went to Stanley Cup and uh, and that inspires a lot of young kids to start play hockey. So what happened after the summer was uh, we uh, start losing ice time and getting a really late time so that nobody wants to come and curl. So being an Olympic year and we got you know expanded and now we have a hard time just to get get people out and give them a slot to curl on. So so it's kind of been good and bad for us uh, this this year. So let's talk a little bit more about what's good uh, about curling in Las Vegas. And a few great things have happened over the last few years. Of Clearly, uh, Las Vegas has been a destination city for the Continental Cup. It seems to draw crowds from all over, particularly from Canada, taking in all of what Las Vegas has to offer. Uh, big crowds, a lot of excitement. Have you been able to translate any of that into energy for the club at all? Yeah, the first year, um, it was mainly Canadians and very few Americans that came in uh, to watch uh, the, the Continental Cup. And we've seen every year more and more people. And uh, at the Worlds this, uh, this year, actually, there was a lot of locals that came out to watch, which was kind of nice. So um, we usually have a, a booth uh, at the arena, and um, we got a lot of sign-ups from that, which was great. And... Um, a lot of them are playing with us uh, at the moment. So um, I think it's just been a slow progress for, for the community to kind of embrace. And I think also because of the Olympic gold medal has helped you know, bring the attention to curling a little bit more in the, in the United States, of course. Absolutely. And that's not the only you know, big-time event that Las Vegas has had over the last couple of years. Last, this past spring, Las Vegas hosted the Men's Worlds. What kind of prep does that take from a club like yours? Are you much involved in that, or is the, the WCF handle a lot of the details? I mean, Continental Cup and the Worlds, uh, I mean, they're kind of two different, two different competitions and two different, if you say, um, owners of it. I don't know, Brad would probably, Brad's been working with them on the ice crew. Brad, would you uh, pick up that question maybe? Sure. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple of things that have happened here. I mean, the first year Continental Cup came, the USA women's team was looking for a place to even hold interviews. And there was no ice. There was no place that NBC could go to kind of show uh, what curling was about. Of course, that was five years ago, so it was even less known then. So they ended up at our arena, and uh, you know we provided equipment and facilities, and uh, helped them out with that. There's no there's no practice ice for those guys, as Nick said. The ice is limited in the area, and hockey is king. So we we get involved whenever we can help the the event organizers with anything like that. Last at the or earlier this year at the men's, we we brought them a bunch of stones and a bunch of brooms, so that the uh, reporters could be doing interviews and trying out curling, that type of thing. So, Brad, it sounds like you volunteer a little bit for the ice crew. So, you know, what kind of benefits does that bring your, your arena club uh, year-round, somebody like you getting on board with that? Well, um, you know, it brings a lot of personal benefit because I learned a lot about trying to make some decent ice, which is hard to do with arena ice, especially after the hockey players and figure skaters have had their way with it right before us. But, yeah, it, it is a benefit in that we gain a lot of knowledge 
from the ice crew. The ice crew is unbelievably detailed and just a great team. And these guys travel around to all um, the USA curling events, uh, producing some fantastic ice in places that you wouldn't expect it. And so that's a great benefit. And it's also good exposure for the club. I think it's good for them to see, you know, a local curling club member. And we actually have a lot of volunteers that, that go to Continental Cup. Uh, as well as the world's, to help out with the rest of the activities besides just the ice making. And I noticed in the USA Curling News that uh, the event this year, uh, the Continental Cup, is looking for volunteers. So, you know, certainly uh, check that out, uh, volunteer, and you can gain some of that knowledge yourself. So let's talk a little bit about that Sin City Bondspiel coming up January 11th to the 13th. Brad, why don't you you start us off? Tell us a little bit about uh, how that came about and you know, what you're planning to do with it this year. Okay. I'm going to pass that to Nick because this is his baby. (laughs) Go for it, Nick. So um, it's our seventh year of of Sin City Spiel, and uh, we usually have a theme. We call it Lucky Seven because it's the seventh year. So we uh, used to have it on Halloween. Uh, We're now moved it to kind of January, February season where uh, most people have cold weather and uh, Vegas is still sunny and kind of warm in the mid 60s so that's attracts a lot of canadians um, and um yeah i mean we get a lot of people from uh, british columbia especially and from around the country in the united states so we get a great mix of players and um, we add on our uh, local members and uh, it becomes a good party and um it's yet competitive but um it's a good atmosphere and people come not only for our bonds, they come for Vegas as well and try to fit in a couple of shows. And then we try to put it in and around the Continental Cup. So we do get some of the volunteers to come and uh, play at the bonds beforehand. And then they continue on to the uh, Continental Cup. And, um, yeah, that's what's going on with Sin City Spiel. That sounds pretty terrific. Uh, a good week of uh, curling for sure. Uh, you can get that Sin City Spiel in and then uh, Continental Cup. It's, uh, it's a pretty good week right there. Um, yeah. So tell people how they can find your club on the web. Uh, we are on uh, lvcurling.com. That's our uh, Las Vegas Curling Club page. And then for the Sin City, since that started the, before the club started, we have uh, sincityspiel.com. And it's spelled with an S for the uh, sin. So we kind of have the three S's, Sin City Spiel. And uh, you can register there if you're interested to come to our bond spill. And um, even if you don't have a team, we get a lot of stray cats that come out and, and we form teams for them or put them on a team. So uh, it's an open bond spill. It's, it's a mixture of men and women. And we even take uh, youth if, if anybody's available. So bring your kids if you want to. And registration is, is open right now? The registration is open. We're kind of halfway full as of right now. And uh, we anticipate to... Uh, fill up in mid-December and we'll see what happens. So 32 teams, half of them, half the field is already full. So get those registrations in as soon as you can. I want yeah. to, I want to thank you both for joining me on the podcast is Brad Whitlock, Nick Katinsky. Yeah. Thanks so much again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's great to hear about stories like this where curling is growing in places that you might not expect congrats to both of you for for making this work out there and if you would like to be featured on the podcast in the segment you can't refuse all you got to do is uh contact us that would be uh, joe at tesn.us thanks again for listening and don't forget to uh tune in next time or you'll be sleeping with the fishes
right, Joe, two really good interviews. And, you know, as we start looking ahead, uh, I know we got a lot to, to plug here. I want to plug a couple of USCA things. David Garbers, his Hall of Fame induction this week. Also want to plug uh, the USCA, the Olympic Celebration Tour that the World Curling Federation has got going. If interested clubs are, are interested in being a part of the Olympic Celebration Tour, please reach out to Kim Noun at the USCA. Let her know that you are interested. There's a form and everything to fill out. And also, finally, seven days of thankfulness, a Terry Davis special. You want to win some cool USCA curling gear, you can do that by uh, getting involved on social media, the seven days of thankfulness, different ways to enter their trivia contest daily. So get into it. Uh, we're thankful for all our wonderful officials and instructors. Get involved in that contest. Check them out, teamusa.org and also usacurl.org. All right, uh, uh, Joe, I don't know if you want to hit any on that, but a couple things. The immediate thing coming up this weekend, uh, the USA, or excuse me, the America's Challenge is going to be held in Chaska. You've got uh, Team Rich ruining Team uh, Persinger. We got to get that. Fi- we got to get that figured out because it's Team Persinger. Some places Team Ruining. I can't keep up, but the America's Challenge. Those guys are playing this weekend in Chaska against Brazil in Guyana. Yeah, Guyana. It, I didn't even know they had a team. Well, they do now. And as I was talking with a couple, I was talking with uh, Pete Annis, their coach for uh, Team Persinger. You know, it's one of those things where they're, you know, they're happy to play in it. But it's, you know, there's pressure then that you don't want to be a, one of the teams to be the first to lose. Right. You know, and so. It'd be like losing to the Buffalo Bills. You don't want to do that. Well, you know, now that Sucky uh, Peterman is gone, Nathan Peterman is gone, you have a chance because he might go down as worst quarterback in NFL history. We'll save that Listen, for the bitter end. Save that Thanksgiving for. Came, Thanksgiving came early, Price. <laughs> it did for a Bills fan. But uh, yeah, we got the America's Challenge. Uh, also, next week, okay. Mixed doubles action returns, and it's going to be in Duluth as you've got the uh, really the last, I believe it's, you've got a, a challenge round mixed double qualifier in December right before Christmas, but this is really kind of that last big opportunity for uh, mixed doubles teams to uh, to punch a ticket to the mixed doubles nationals a little bit later next year. Yeah, you know what, I was, I was looking through the teams registered for that, and one team caught my eye. It's Team Emily Good and Team Matt Guy. It's Team Good Guy. Oh, I, like I love it. How can you not I pull like for that. a team like that? That's right. I think I think we got to pull for the good guys. Yeah, we will pull for the good guys in that. So uh, mixed doubles curling action does return. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what else we got. Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne yep. uh, cash spiel, Joe. Yeah, that should be on the TESN all weekend long. Uh, Fort Wayne cash spiel. Um, I saw uh, Dunham. Uh, was re- registered for that as one of the teams that we've sort of uh, talked about in the past. And uh, it's sort of one of those, uh, I want to call it a tier two U.S. cash spiel because it's it's sort of meant for people who are sort of on their way up. And uh, it'll be on TESN all weekend long. So, Joe, since that we are going to be off next week, and again, programming note, we will, re- we will return the week of November the 26th. So since we're off next week for Thanksgiving week, get, besides – I, I'm going to say that probably that telegraph my answer, but the one thing that you're most thankful for this year right now, would it be safe to say that Nathan Peterman is no longer a Buffalo Bill? Yeah, and, and I think the rest of the league should be thankful as well. Okay. Um, just because it, there's no reason for anyone to claim him on a roster. I mean, it's just silly. Um, the guy cannot play quarterback. 
and and I'm very thankful that he's gone. Let me tell you one thing I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that I was out of the country last week because as basketball is my favorite sport, I watched, and I did watch it in Canada briefly before it got so bad I couldn't watch anymore, and I felt a little bit like a Buffalo Bill fan and Joe Calabrese, but watching Kentucky get the <laughs> doors absolutely blown off them last week against Duke was utterly painful. Then on Saturday, Kentucky, who was a, I don't know, at least a three-touchdown favorite, proceeds to get the doors blown off again, this time in football to Tennessee, an arch-rival. Oh, yeah, Ouch. let me take you back to Thursday night when the Carolina Panthers <laughs> – get absolutely curb-stomped by the uh, one team I cannot stand, and that's the Pittsburgh, St- Pittsburgh Steelers. Everything that could go wrong with teams I pull for when it comes to college pro sporting events, they didn't just go wrong last week. They went so awfully wrong that it was unwatchable, and all three were unwatchable, and I'm just glad that I was out of the country and missed two of the three. I can honestly say I probably missed – two and a half of the three because I cut the Kentucky Duke game off. Yes, I quit on my team at halftime. So, Price, I'm, I'm just, I want to recap. So there are three people that I'm pretty sure will never be on this podcast. Okay. Okay. So Ben Roethlisberger. Correct. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Correct. And, and, Brad, and Brad Jacobs. Yes, correct. Oh, okay, so there you go. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> you, you got that right. Brad Jacobs will never be on here as long as I have creative control over guests. Uh, Coach K just on principle, and I got respect for Roethlisberger. It, it's not so much I just – there's teams I don't like in the NFL, namely uh, the Oakland Raiders, um, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but the teams – and I'm going to say – look, I'm going to hurt some Packer feelings right here. But of the bandwagon teams that are you know all around the NFL naming the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys – the Pittsburgh Steelers, and what's the one I'm leaving off? There's one that I'm not that I'm not naming right now. There are so many Cleveland band- Browns. No, no, no. no. What? No, yeah, you wish. They wish. There are so many bandwagon fans of those particular teams. The Eagles is the other. No, one. it's not the Eagles. I don't like the Eagles. The Eagles is one I don't like too. But the bandwagon teams, and I will say too that of all the Packer fans I've met, most of them are curling fans. They they live in the state, but there's so many Packer fans. And to each his own to be a fan, I'm not going to go on my soapbox about this. I've done it so many times on Sports Talk Radio about, you know, anybody's entitled to be a fan of any team, any sport. There's no rules to being a fan. But the bandwagon fans for the Steelers, Packers, Cowboys, it, it just, it's just nauseating. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it right there because I don't want to lose listeners, particularly in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> it's a good plan, Price. I like it. All right, let's get out of here, Joe. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for uh, BA and the opportunity to do with the, the, this with you guys. I'm thankful for our entire 12th in Sports Network family. I'm tired of, uh, you know, entirely thankful for the opportunities that this incredible sport uh, has given me to, to getting involved and, and to hopefully give, give something to it. Uh, in different ways, and you know, as it was Veterans Day earlier this week, I also want to say thank you to any and all veterans that that may be listening, or if you've got a family member that is a veteran, uh, to to thank uh, to thank you for them, because uh, you know, as we know, freedom absolutely. is freedom is not free, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, thank a veteran any way you can. I mean, it, it's it's really tough. Um, these folks live with all sorts of different traumas that they've had to live with, and um, they need to be treated with respect. 
uh, at all times and nope. not just not just one day a year. Absolutely. In my book, in, in the way some, some things I'm involved with and things I do every day is Veterans Day because, you know, there have been those that have given the ultimate sacrifice and we can never say thank you enough. Forget just one day. We can never say thank you enough to their, their family uh, and their friends for for protecting us because, as I said, freedom is not free. But let's go ahead and pop out of here, Joe. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, to Elisa, your entire family, to all our listeners listening. Again, if you want to get more of us, just hit subscribe. Go to Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes on your uh, smartphone. If you're an Android user, again, go to uh, the Stitcher Google Play app. They're free downloads. Search the extra extra in. You can get us every single week just by hitting subscribe. And certainly go to tesn.us forward slash podcast where you can get every episode right there, Joe. Parting words you know, for the Godfather. Yeah, I got a few more here, Price. I thank you. Uh, very thankful for their, you helping with the podcast uh, over the last couple of years. I was adding up the podcast numbers uh, the other day. We, we've done over 50 so far, and uh, you've been a principal in all of that. I do appreciate that and all that you do for uh, TESN. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Uh, one last uh, programming note, uh, not necessarily a programming note, but uh, a publicity note. At the Rochester Curling Club, we're doing our Curling the Gathering event in April. Uh, you can go to rochestercurling.org uh, to find out more about that. Uh, we have a 16-team hard limit, and we've already, six months ahead, we already have our first registrant. So we're going we're gonna to sell this thing out. So uh, you're going to want to get involved uh, as soon as you possibly can. There you go. Well, for the Godfather, Joe Calabrese, our Price Atkinson, this is the Extraction Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Have a great week, weekend this weekend, and certainly a blessed week next week with your families. Have a great time, and we'll talk to you coming up the last week of November. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Right now at Kohl's, it's the last-minute gift sale. Take an extra 20% off and save on kitchen must-haves. Get 25% off toys and get 20% off fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Still not sure what to get? Our gift cards are always a great idea. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. 20% offer valid December 21st through December 24th with promo code RECEIVE20. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.